Take your Bible, turn over to Luke chapter 1. In a few moments, we'll get to that passage. And we're finishing up our series today, our four-week series on imagining a world without. And today we're talking about imagining a world without relationships. And of course, the greatest relationship any of us could ever have is a relationship with the God who created us. And of course, today we celebrate and we think about this week, the birth of Christ and how important that is. Well, we've looked at video clips about different things, popular Christmas stories throughout the holiday season. First week, we watched a clip from It's a Wonderful Life, and we talked about what the world would be like without hope. Jesus brings us the hope we need to face the difficulties in our relationships and in life. The second week, we looked at a video clip from the Grinch that stole Christmas, and remember how his heart grew several sizes larger, and we talked about a world and what it would look like without joy, and how Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, provides us with joy unspeakable, as we sang about a few moments ago, no matter our circumstances. Last week, we looked at what a world would be like without boundaries, and why God providing his commands and laws and precepts helps us to know how to successfully live a prosperous and successful life in his eyes. But today we're going to finish our series as we look at a clip from Home Alone 2. The main character, Kevin McAllister, is talking to the bird lady about relationships. And after the video clip, we'll share briefly about imagining a world without relationships and how to develop healthy, godly relationships with those around us. Let's turn our attentions to the screens for just a few moments. You bring your friends up here? I haven't got many friends. Oh, sorry. I'm like the birds I care for. People pass me in the street. They see me, but they try to ignore me. They prefer I wasn't part of their city. Yeah, it's sort of like that with my family. I'm kind of the pigeon of the house, just because I'm the youngest. Everyone fights for position. Everybody wants to be seen and heard. I guess so. I'm seen and heard pretty much. But then I get sent to my room a lot, too. I wasn't always like this, you know. Oh, what were you like before? I had a job. I had a home. I had a family. Did you have any kids? No. Oh, I wanted them. But the man I loved fell out of love with me. That broke my heart. And whenever the chance to be loved came along again, I ran away from it. I stopped trusting people. No offense, that seems like sort of a dumb thing to do. I was afraid of getting my heart broken again. You see, sometimes you can trust a person, and then when things are down, they forget about you. Maybe they're just too busy. Maybe they don't forget about you, but they forget to remember you. I don't think people mean to forget. I think it just happens. My grandfather says, my head wasn't screwed on, I'd leave it on the school bus. I'm just afraid if I do trust someone, I'll get my heart broken again. I understand that. I used to have this really nice pair of rollerblades. And I was afraid if I wore them, I wrecked them. So I kept them in the box. And do you know what happened? No. I outgrew them. I never wore them once outside. I just wore them in my room a couple times. A person's heart and a person's feelings are very different than skates. Well, they're kind of the same thing. 
If you aren't gonna use your heart, then what's the difference if it gets broken? If you just keep it to yourself, maybe it'll be like my rollerblades. When you do decide to try it, it won't be any good. You should take a chance. Got nothing to lose. But a truth in there somewhere. I think so. Your heart might still be broken, but it isn't gone. If it was gone, you wouldn't be this nice. video and uh, just really grips your heart as you think about the wisdom that we gleaned from that exchange with Kevin and the bird lady. And Kevin encourages all of us to be willing to build relationships, even if the risk is hurt and heartache at times. Loneliness is not healthy for anyone, so relationships are required so that we can survive well in our society and our world and, and for ourselves as well. Satan and his demons have great tools to discourage people from getting involved in relationships and growing healthy in those relationships. One thing he uses out of his toolbox is discouragement. He discouraged people from getting into relationship by saying the risk of getting hurt is way too high, as we saw with the bird lady there in the video. If people avoid relationships, they face isolation and loneliness. And that leads to some people getting into some dark places with depression and other issues. And as we think of Going through COVID, we know the suicide rates are high. I was just with a group of pastors and they were talking about how the opiate overdose is off the charts and we're not hearing much about that in our news feeds. Satan loves to separate people from the church family and then pull them away from the Lord and Satan loves to divide and conquer. Another tool Satan has and uses in his toolbox is selfishness. In relationships, we want all the benefits of the relationship without giving anything to the relationship. Pride, unwilling to admit our faults and resolve conflicts and seek forgiveness. Many people are trapped with guilt and frustration and bitterness because they're not willing to humble themselves and go and try to make amends for what has happened in the past. Conditional love is another one of Satan's wonderful tools in hurting relationships. Only a loving person and only loving a person and supporting the relationship without any responsibility or commitment to it. It's conditional based on what you can get out of it for yourself. All this and more leads to loneliness and heartbroken people and pain due to conflicts that are never reconciled. Dictionary.com says this that loneliness defined is defined as the state of being without companionship, causing or resulting from the state of being alone isolated, desolate, and solitary. So as we are in the midst of this Christmas season, as we approach Christmas next Saturday, we celebrate with those that we're in relationship with here are some of the reminders of how to have a healthy relationship during this holiday period and into 2022. We're gonna look for a moment at Luke chapter one, verse 39. We're gonna look at a very positive relationship that occurs as part of the Christmas story between Mary and Elizabeth. Luke chapter one, verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, 
And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And may God add his blessing at the reading of his word this morning. And as we look at that, I know the context, the main theme is the relationship there between Mary and Elizabeth and the thought of Elizabeth carrying John the Baptist and Mary uh, Jesus. But as we see the background, we see they had a positive, healthy relationship with one another. Mary went to visit Elizabeth, who was pregnant, and pretty soon she was going to give birth to uh, John the Baptist, which would be Jesus' cousin. And I'll bet Elizabeth was a little bit lonely. If you know the story, Zechariah wasn't allowed to talk during the length of the pregnancy because he dealt with doubt. And so she was thrilled to have Mary come and visit her. And as soon as Mary greeted Elizabeth, God revealed to her that Mary was pregnant with God's son, and she gave her a verbal blessing as we read in this passage and instead of rejecting the story Mary would try to tell her about this crazy thing that some people thought that the Holy Spirit planted a seed in her womb to give birth to Jesus Elizabeth encouraged and blessed Mary since it was revealed to her the miracle of her carrying Jesus to birth as a gift to the world the one who would be the savior she built up Mary and she wanted the best for her So we must seek to develop and maintain biblical, healthy, godly relationships despite how people may respond back to us. That is a very important key principle. We respond in the way that Jesus would and treat people within that relationship as he would despite however we get reciprocation and response. We must be godly in our approach with others. And I'm going to remind us of six principles Six principles to help us during this Christmas season and into the new year with our relationships. So on your outline there, and I encourage you to fill in these blanks here. First of all, to develop a healthy relationship, you must be willing to be friendly. We're going to start very very much at the base of all this. You've got to be friendly. And the Bible teaches that. In Proverbs 18.24, looking at the New King James Version, it says, A man who has friends must himself be friendly but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. We have to make the effort. We have to uh, be outward in our approach to connect with people. And we have to put ourselves out there and reach out to someone or others who we would like to have a relationship with. Many lonely people, especially after being cooped up with COVID, and some are still are in that situation, they've lost how to have social etiquette. They've lost how to connect relationally, to be good in a conversation. Many people struggle with this, and some are just because of introversion. They're introverted in their personality. We must first know who we are as a person and understand who we are in Christ and be confident and healthy with that. Then we have to find some things that we're interested in, look for others who may have the same interest and the same values. Those are the two things, interest and values, that really bring people together into a friendship into a relationship, and then as you think about marriage, into a romantic relationship, into a lifelong living with that person as their best friend. It begins with those things. It was just uh, the other day, I was with a group of people, and a lady was sharing about how she was pretty lonely, and she decided she was going to get up and go to the Y, since she belonged there, and she was going to join an aerobic club or something to be involved in the exercise. And pretty soon, even after the first time she went, she met and uh, built some relationships that continue on 
uh, as a result of her going to that event. Sometimes the hardest thing is to find ways to connect with people who might have similar interests. That's why it's important to look for like a book club if you're really interested in reading a book or an exercise group or water aerobics or walking or hiking groups or quilting or whatever it is, scrapbooking, there's lots of things. And as you find that you're interested in it, you find other people and that begins the process of building some relationships. There's lots of choices and with the internet, there are many places to go and meet people. But to be honest, we have to go. Many of us struggle in certain areas of our relationships and relationships are complex. Everything you uh, need as far as interests and backgrounds and values and personality types are out there and we have to connect with those people. So you have to not only understand yourself and who you are, but understand the other person that you begin a relationship with and how to communicate well with them. Second principle in developing biblical healthy relationships is this. To develop a healthy relationship, you must be willing to take an emotional risk. You have to be willing to take an emotional risk. So it's not just putting yourself out there and finding somebody of common interests and values, but your heart. Are you open to that? In 1 Samuel chapter 18, it says, As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, Samuel the prophet, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. Jonathan was taking a huge risk by committing to have a really close-knit relationship with David. It would cost him the throne as time would go on. It would cost him at times the wrath of his father toward him because Saul was so jealous of David and wanted to kill him. In Saul's mind, Jonathan was wrong to support David and have a friendship with him. Many, many people are trapped in the prison of isolation and loneliness because they've been hurt in relationships before and they no longer want to take the risk. It could be too painful, too hurtful to be rejected once again. We saw that personified right on the screen with that uh, video clip. And you think about that bird lady and how she'd been hurt by a husband or, or a person in relationship and she wanted to have children and he was unwilling and he fell out of love with her. You never will build any kind of relationship, let alone a healthy one, if you don't take that risk, whether that be a relationship to develop friends or a romantic relationship. Here are some signs a relationship is unhealthy and when you should consider whether to stay in that relationship or not. These will be up on the screen, I believe. Pushing for quick involvement. Somebody who comes on strong, claiming, I've never felt loved like this by anyone else. That's a warning sign to be careful. A second one would be jealousy. Excessive possessiveness. Calls constantly or visits unexpectedly. Prevents you from going to work because you might meet somebody. Controlling behavior is a third one. Inter interrogates you intensely, especially if you're late about whom you talk to and where you were and keeps all the money and insists you ask permission to do anything. Unrealistic expectations. These are not healthy in a relationship. Expects you to be the perfect mate and to meet his or her every need. Isolation from close friends and family members. 
tries to cut you off from family and friends, accuses people who support you of causing trouble for you, blaming others for problems and mistakes. It's always somebody else's fault when something goes wrong. And one more, and there's many others, but making others responsible for his or her feelings. The abuser says, you make me angry instead of I am angry, or says you're hurting me by not doing what I tell you. This is from wadvocates.org, and there's many others. So you need to evaluate your relationships that you're in. And if it's unhealthy, it needs to be confronted, speaking the truth in love, and to sit down and work out the issues. So we need to be discerning about the people we're in relationship with. Do we build each other up or do we tear each other down? Do we, do, do we accept them for who they are? And are they trying to control us for their benefit? The third principle out of the six today is to develop a healthy relationship. You must be willing to be open and honest. You've got to be transparent. You've got to be authentic. Hold nothing back. Develop a relationship to be open and honest. That's healthy. Ephesians 4.15, as I alluded to this verse, rather speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Ephesians 4.25 says, therefore having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. One of the most difficult things to do in any relationship is to speak the truth with a loving and gracious spirit. It's not natural for us and for some personality types to confront people. We just don't want to go there. We don't want to offend people. We risk damaging or ending the relationship if we're open and honest. But the benefits far outweigh the risk. Let me say that again. The benefits far outweigh the risk. People down deep long to hear the truth told to them. I'm convinced of that. We all have our blind spots, and they need to be pointed out to us from time to time. Proverbs 27, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. We can grow to be more like Christ through mutual accountability. And then Ephesians 4, 29 says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Our communication with those we're in relationship with and everyone for that matter ought to be an intentional attitude to build them up and say what's best for the other person. In relationships, both parties should be lifting each other up and making one another a better person, like iron sharpens irons that talks about in Proverbs. People do not want to be around those who are negative and toxic for very long. Build each other up as it fits the occasion, that verse says, that it may give grace to those who hear. People need to be encouraged, and they need to be, feel good about the conversations that they have with one another in positive ways. Think about the last time that you <clears throat> met with somebody that you uh, are friends with, and the conversations you had, and how many of you walked away and thought that was an excellent opportunity to meet together and to build each other up. And a lot of times it's a focus on spiritual things in our lives as well to encourage one another. So as we engage with people in this Christmas season, let's build them up with words of encouragement and hope 
Many are hurting, many are downcast during this season. You struggle with the loss of loved ones, an empty seat at the table at Christmas time, and all these things, as we'll continue on to talk about, but we have to deal with those situations and build each other up. Another one, as we engage with these people, is that we are to develop a healthy relationship. You must be a good communicator, good communication. We could spend an hour on this point, but let me give you a few thoughts to think about. Proverbs 1.5, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. <clears throat> let the wise hear and increase in learning. James 1.19 says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So one of the important things we need to do is to learn people's names, to remember those names. Some of us, as we're getting older, that gets a little more difficult, a little more challenging, right? But one of the things I do when I go and start a new semester at Scott Community College is I make a strong effort to make sure I learn their name within the first couple classes. What usually helps with students is they always tend to sit in the same seat. So that makes it a little bit easier. But here at church as well, to make sure I know the names of everyone in our church family and for our guests who come in as well. People love to hear their names said to them. Another important thing is to make eye contact and give them your attention, to be present in the moment. Remember things that are important to them and put those away in the back of your mind so that when you come upon them again, you can pull something up and ask them about their interest in sports or how their job at John Deere's doing or whatever it is that they talk about themselves that's important to them. Be a good listener. That's something I'm still working on after many years. Be a good listener. Ask clarifying questions if you don't understand what the other person is saying. And when it's your turn to share, share honestly about yourself, your feelings, your opinions, your interests. And this is something that's very important. We've lost this art of being a good conversationalist. We need to work at that. We need to... Uh, know how to converse with somebody by asking each other questions and, and uh, digging deeper into what someone is saying. And you find as you do that over time that you uh, see an interest from your perspective of things maybe you never knew before. And they help encourage you and educate you as well. This goes a long way to building a healthy relationship that honors the person and honors God. The fourth principle is to develop a healthy relationship. You must have a sincere love that gives as well as receives. You must have a sincere love that gives as well as receives. Of course, Jesus was the greatest example. In John 15, 13, he said, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. We have to learn to love others unconditionally and sacrificially like Jesus did for us and also as his disciples as he shared in that moment in John 15. We think about how Jesus was willing to humble himself and wrap a towel around his waist and wash his disciples' feet to show a servant-like spirit. If we approach relationships with that same approach that Jesus did and build trust with that person we're in relationship with, God will most of the time 
give back to you through the relationship that you are investing in. If you're not receiving anything relationally from the person after a while, you must examine your heart and the motives of the other person and deal with it in a loving way. That causes us to be open, transparency, confrontation in a loving matter, and listen to their heart and observe their actions. Do they match up? We've been studying in 1 Peter before the Thanksgiving season, and 1 Peter 1 says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you've been born again, not of a perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. He's saying because you're born again, because the Holy Spirit has transformed you, because the word has implanted itself in your heart, you need to have a sincere love for one another earnestly from a pure heart. We have to learn to love others without hypocrisy and deeply, no matter how difficult that is. Be comforting by being a good listener. If someone is grieving a loss, they've lost a job, they've lost a dear friend or loved one as I have in the last few weeks myself. Someone's gone through a divorce. Someone is having uh, financial problems in their life, whatever it may be. But be joyful as well when they're successful. Celebrate their accomplishment with them. It tells us in 1 Corinthians that we weep with those who weep and we rejoice with those who rejoice. That's a good example Paul gives us of how we're to respond in healthy relationships. A mutual submission if the relationships we're talking about is the marriage relationship, putting your spouse's interests above yours. We live in a very feel-good society and meet-my-needs-first mentality. People will follow feelings in our culture even if it's contrary to the truth sometimes. You see that at times in romantic relationships. One is a giver. The other is a taker. And there needs to be a mutual understanding of serving and caring for each other's needs. God wants to meet some of our needs through relationships. But I want you to remember this. Ultimately, no person on this earth is ultimately going to meet all your needs. Only Jesus Christ can fulfill the longing in your soul and for all the things you have. So don't put undue and unrealistic expectations on the ones you love. Know that because we're all flawed, we're all sinners, but we live in harmony with one another, especially as believers, if we have the Spirit of God within us. And only he can meet all those human needs. And lastly this morning, to develop a healthy relationship, you have to stay committed to the other person in the relationship. Commitment is something you don't see much of in relationships these days. They, they just uh, aren't willing to do that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is the love chapter, chapter it's often read at weddings, but it's a good reminder, it's a barometer as we read these verses, and we should go back to them and evaluate how we are responding, whether in a godly way or not, to the ones we love or the ones we care about. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, if I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. And here we go. He says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. Talking about selfishness. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, 
hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Love never ends. And so I want to lift those three words at the beginning of verse 8 there. It says this is a, a good section of scripture to think about, that love never ends. Even through thick and thin, even through times of separation and tough love, stay committed to the relationship. Keep the conversations open and going. There'll be a day when someone will know that they will hit rock bottom or come to the end of themselves, and you and I have to be there to love them, to help them back, to bring them to where they need to be with God in their relationship with others. That's what Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. As a believer, that's what we're here for, through thick and thin. And again, I picture that father of the prodigal son looking out on his porch, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, looking down that road, longing for his son to come back from uh, crazy living and wasting all his inheritance. And he waited, and he waited, and he prayed, and he prayed, and finally embraced his son. That's the kind of commitment that we need to have in our relationships. So some closing thoughts to this series today. In this four-week series, we've asked you to imagine a world without Jesus. We would be missing out on the source of hope, the source of joy, love, and relationships, and the path to live a prosperous and successful life in God's eyes. Apart from Jesus, we cannot have hope, joy, love, and boundaries with depth in our human ability. We need the Spirit of God to fill us daily as we surrender to Him. We need to daily tap into a new measure of grace every morning when we wake up and realize that that gift of grace is available for us to give us that hope and that joy and that love and God's leadership in our decision-making so we will stay in relationship with Him. And ultimately, we learn about being in good relationship with others as we study the Trinity and we see how God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit work together in loving harmony with one another. I hope this Christmas season you'll be filled with hope and joy and love and God's leadership in your life. But not only to have that, but share those gifts that are given to us freely and daily from God with other people as well. Here's some application, three things. May we be open to risk new relationships. For some of you in this room, that might be something that you need to pray about. You need to uh, make it a goal to push yourself out there, to take the risk, to build some new relationships. Second of all, may we display Christ-like love and commitment in our closest relationships. And may we experience joy in our relationships by our open and giving spirit. As I think about that, I think about our human relationships and how it's important that we allow God to work through us. And we get that because we have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And if you're here today on this Christmas Sunday, we want you to be sure that you have that relationship with your Heavenly Father. To know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when you breathe your last breath on this earth that you're going to be in heaven with Him. You see, God sent His Son as we celebrate this Christmas season because He could not bear the thought that you or I or any of His creation would not be with Him in heaven. He wanted to give us an opportunity. And so while we walk on this earth and while we're sinners and we've broken God's law and we've separated ourselves from His holiness because He doesn't even know what sin is because He's perfect, Jesus came and bridged the gap by being born in a manger with the shadow of the cross over the manger. His full, total focus of all the things that he did was to go to Calvary's cross 
and shed his blood to forgive our sins, to help us to turn away from our sin and to be born again. And I hope today, if you have not received Christ as Savior, that you will do that today. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this series. We thank you that you brought these things into our world. You not only brought them in, but you lived them out. You personified them in our presence by wrapping yourself up in human flesh, by uh, walking on this earth, that people could observe the joy, the hope, the obedience to God to follow his boundaries, the peace that we have because of that. And Lord, I just pray that you help us as we think about the relationships that we may have this week, people we haven't seen maybe all year or maybe in the last six months, and we'll be around a, a table for Christmas celebration. Help us to think on these things of being, uh, building good relationships and building other people up and having a godly approach, even if people do not reciprocate in kind, because ultimately we want to please you. We pray and ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.